You're listening to Nealon Not Standing. I am your host, Paul Nealon. On this podcast, I bring you stories from people of all different backgrounds with their brilliant stories. Please subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on podcasts, please don't forget to follow us on these platforms as well. If you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to leave a five-star review. Now, let's get into it. Episode six, after a long hiatus, I'm joined by my good friend, Adam Drummond. We're here in Cork. And uh, yeah, I suppose, Adam, uh, I got to know you through DIY SOS, a show yeah. I work on. Um, and we can't go into too much detail yeah. about the house and stuff like that. But that's obviously how we know each other. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're here now. And I suppose we'll kind of get your story yeah. um, of how you are basically um, from your younger days mm. to now. Um, I suppose what was, well, how are you firstly? And yeah. then we'll come to... How life was when yeah. you uh thanks for having me on. Um yeah, doing well. Um probably we talk small bit about the house, like it's helped me a lot. Um but yeah, overall just definitely just definitely happier, yeah. Um well I suppose what what was like uh life like growing up for you? Because I'd imagine you were a young mm-hmm. kind of athlete and stuff yeah. like that. What was what was life growing up around here? Redemption Road. Yeah. Um and kinda what was what was your upbringing like? Uh yeah, uh, Redemption Road's probably say the heart of the north side. Um, I love being from here, like being from the north side. Probably seen as a lower class area, but to be honest with you, I didn't really have any problems like that or like kind of things like that growing up. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, the youngest of three. Um, my brother was thirteen years older. My sister, I think, is six. So like there was a grand old gap between us. Um and yeah, I lived here my whole life, twenty three years old now. Um and when I look back I think some a place like this, a place like the north side kinda shapes who you are. Um, no matter where I went in life, it was always kinda kinda the what would you say, like uh fuck I'm after the rougher area maybe. Yeah, yeah. Kinda It's been like that in Dublin now, I have to say. Yeah. A lot of people would slag the um the north side and it's like the south side for being the posh yeah, people, you yeah. know. So is it is it kind of like that? Yeah, but what, kind of what I'm saying is that like kind of challenges of life, no matter where I was, even whether it's this or a wheelchair, it's kind of everything kind of came back to the north side and kind of never forget where you came from, mm. kind of thing. And I think Roy Keane actually had problems for, for being from the north yeah. side, mm. actually as a footballer. Yeah, didn't he? Yeah, he's he's literally from only over the road, like, um, and still has family across the road, and like, yeah, he, he's a proud proud person to be from the north side, and it's kind of the same with myself. Um, when times kind of got tough, like you kind of look back and go like the north side's great, but there's you always think there's people that are worse off than you and things, and that's why it kind of brings you back down to earth. Um, so like even when you're having a bad day, it's kind of like look, look where you came from, look how far you've come, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, just talk to me about kind of school. Yeah. And yeah, I suppose different sports you played. Yeah, growing I up went to school up there in the mine. It's only a couple of yards away really for me uh, don't tell my principal that though I was late most of the time for school um, but uh, he found that out, that out in the last day of school he actually asked me where are you from and I was like I'm only across the road and he just goes go on go on um, but yeah I only across the road I played basketball my whole life since the age of three my brother was huge into basketball so it was kind of an easy transition mm. for me what was the what was the the pull for basketball because when you think of like Ireland mm. you don't think of basketball you don't think of it as a as a very popular sport you think of it more yeah. your football rugby mm. ga you know it's yeah. not really well i played two kind of growing up it was soccer and basketball and i probably preferred soccer to be honest with you um but i kind of got to the age of 13 and i grew and to be honest with you like i just my legs got too long for soccer and i was just like all right i think basketball is the one here now but being, ever happened to me. <laughs> being being across the road as well from Neptune is and it's probably the mecca of Irish basketball. It's kind of a no-brainer, like it's on my footsteps. Lucky that it's open six days a week, seven days a week. So like I didn't really have an excuse to not be over there. And in, in a way, like that being across the road kind of kept me away from probably being fr- like in the north side. The kind of the kind of temptation to be on the sh- like be on the streets more or anything like that. It was Jesus all oh, basketball, basketball, basketball. Um, in a way, like I'm lucky that I'm from here, and that was right there, because as I said, it kind of kept me away from things like that. 
Mm. I always find like like sports like that is, mm. it's, it's good that they bring away from like trouble. Mm. You often see a lot of you know kids take to football or boxing, mm. you know, to stay away from yeah. you know what it, what could be. I actually only met. I was in the gym the other day and I met my uh, tour class teacher. I think and we were just talking about like like different fellas I went to school with. Like and it's it's crazy like that how some just kind of take different paths and it's like ninety nine percent of the time it's it's not their fault, like it's just the surroundings, the temptation, things like that, and just lack of resources in a area like this. And I'm lucky that I had a resource like that. I had the talent, I had, kind of had the drive, and it, it did, it kept me away from going down different roads, thankfully. Yeah, see, see with the basketball though, because like, again, I, I just find mm. it fascinating because it's, it's totally, I'm just football mad. Like, yeah, I just, yeah. you, you know that, like, yeah. I just. I look at people and I'm like, how do you not like football? You yeah, know, yeah. But I get the basketball thing. Yeah. Basketball is actually a decent sport to watch. Um, but what was there the pull to it? Like, was it like Michael Jordan? Was he the reason yeah. why maybe your brother got involved? Yeah, I'd say no. Like, if you if I get in trouble for this, but if you ever ask me, like, it's like, who do I? I don't even like Michael Jordan. It was always LeBron James. That was my era. So, like, I would be since the age of thirteen. I'd say staying up till two three in the mornings in the summer like as soon as i finished we got into our uh, summer holidays like staying up till that time watching lebron and stuff and in a way like kind of i'm not saying i'm athletically like lebron james but he kind of does a bit of everything and i guess that's the way i kind of used to play basketball so that was kind of my pull um then in terms of neptune then it was like kind of looking up the fellas that were on the senior team and things like that and just when when I was growing up senior team was, was brilliant and it, as it is now so I was lucky that like every Saturday I was able to go over and watch the likes of Jarnoon and or Mick McGinn or some p- players like that um, and like that was my NBA then as well like kind of down to kind of real life NBA obviously you have your LeBron James and Steph Curry's but like realistically you're never we're not going to be them so it's like alright who can I be now so it was kind of those kind of players and I was lucky just across the road like yeah but you like you talk about basketball differently. Mm. You talk about basketball like I talk about football. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I can see, even by yeah. the way you're talking about it now, like, how much it, it means mm. to you and how much you you love it. Yeah. So, you you were just playing that the whole way since you were three years old, you know, mm. the basketball hoop outside. Yeah, just mad about it. Like, as I said, like, I I like I love soccer as well. I still watch, probably watch just as much football as basketball at the moment like um but i said i kind of got to the age of 12 and i was yeah, like you stopped watching them for lately though haven't you i i i as much as i want to watch them it just breaks my heart like but um no i i watched both of them but kind of got to the age of 12 and i was like look i'm really tall i'm really good at it like this is going to be a better you know future for me if I bring more opportunities than football um kind of ne- never went back to it but they'd end up going back to Gaelic football so I was kind of the next closest thing and Gaelic football is basically a mix of basketball and football at the moment like um, but yeah it was always going to be basketball I think I think it was, I just always had to kind of the feel for it and stuff and um, yeah I think I made the right decision anyway yeah well you're, you're still obviously involved with it mm. now and we'll, we'll come to yeah. it kind of at a later uh, time but through secondary school it mm-hmm. was just kind of always like that was it And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was lucky that I went to a secondary school that did provide a good basketball programme uh, we had a good great coach inside the day I got in there I was, we were lucky to have Paul Keller who has coached seen like men's uh, senior women's teams underage national teams like so like I kind of had that sense of professionalism in the school basketball which 99% of schools don't have so I was lucky in that way um, and it was basketball you know we'd have one game a week throughout the whole year from September to May like so we were lucky in that way and um, that there wasn't really seasons where the guy works like but um, but yeah the, the secondary school I went to only had two sports and that was hurling and basketball which is like we were a tight and when I first went to went to the man like there was only 250 students like I think there's couple way more hundred now a couple hundred more now but um when I went there was hurling which was a dominant hurling school but we were lucky that the other sport was basketball yeah I was just uh when I, when I think about it like you seem like such a popular lad from around the way and and, and basketball within the mm-hmm. 
in the community seems like a, a popular thing. I know you have a few mates. I, I was out with you there recently, mm. and Adrian was he a, a, mm. a big basketball player mm. as well? How did, you, did you meet him? Yeah, he's not a fella. I kind of looked up to playing basketball. Um, he was in a different club, but shout out! A, a, I know, shout out! Yeah, did you give him a follow in what say? And he, and he does gym, the gym. He does, so. yeah. I do I do PT with Adrian. Shout yeah. him out, take one. I know. It's, it's Adrian O'Sullivan PT, I think. Oh, you should know. Not Works me. for more and call, yeah. So uh, give him a follow, especially all the, the hoopers out there. Um, but no, yeah, I kind of grew up watching Adrian. Uh, different club, but it didn't really matter to me. Like, I just wanted to watch the best players, and he was one of the best players. Um, but yeah, I just kind of tried to find, find different kind of players to watch and mold my game around and... I guess you kind of you do that as well if you were watching any sport. You're trying to find the best because like it's grand to watch them on TV and it's grand to to watch the Premier League or the NBA and stuff. But it's like, who can I watch in real life week in week out? And then what can I take from them and how can I put them into my game? So um, yeah, he was definitely one of them. And and so how did your your basketball career kind of start? When did you start noticing you were getting good? When when did you start getting uh, contacted to? you know mm. uh, go on to bigger and better things yeah i think i made and, and don't be afraid to, to go into it like i may uh i made uh made my first irish team 13 i think i think i just turned 13 yeah so that's an awfully kind of young age to kind of be exposed to i made a, a year above my own age grade so um then but even at then it's kind of like you're still 13 so it's like is he you can't really tell if i'm going to be that good in my head i was going to be lebron james like that's the when you're 13 and you make an Irish team, you're like, Jesus, this is the this is the biggest thing ever. Uh, but and then, did you believe it or did you just think LeBron James is like like a kid would say, I'm, I want to be Mo Salah? Is it, I think is you it that get, way or? you kind of you kind of as I as I as I'm getting to it there now, like I kind of got to my first European Championships then when I was about uh, 15, I think, and I think we played against I think it was like Holland first game or something like that, and that was the real when I got outside Ireland, that was the first realization. I was like. Let's reel it back in a bit here now, and I, it's a, it's a good reality check. It's a good reality check because you're in your own little bubble in this Ireland, and then it's like an even a smaller community or bubble in Irish basketball. So then, kind of when I got ex when I got exposed to it, then I was kind of like, all right, let me bring back my expectations. But in the long run, that kind of helped me. Then mm. was uh, that your first kind of setback? That you could say a setback. Yeah, um, I think I started that 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 I started for that team. I averaged like four or five points and then I went a year later and I averaged like 16 then or something. I was one of the top scorers and top, like, top assists and all that, like top of my top of the team and all that. So uh, that kind of first exposure kind of led to something bigger, even though at the time I came back and I was like, I'm not good enough and I'm, I'm not this, I'm not that. But then it was kind of like I went back, I trained hard, I went back the next year and I was like, all right, I can I can hang with these fellas. Um, played four Irish teams. Um Three European Championships. I got injured my last one under 18. And then I got injured in July. The tournament was end of July. And then in September, then I accepted a scholarship to go to uh, prep school in America. Um, I had two or three offers um, to go over there to go to prep school. That's what I wanted to do. I, the prep school is like a one year kind of thing, one and done. So like it kind of gave me the chance to go. All right, do I like this? Do I like America? And I wasn't tied into something long term. Um, but uh, kind of that, as I said, the f age fourteen kind of setback led me to something way bigger. Um, and then got to America. Um, just how does it work with like scouts or what way does that work? Like so, um, I, I was having the clues. I was lucky enough. It's a lot better now because of social media, um, and um, like. 99% of games are streamed now everything's put up on YouTube live so it's easier for those coaches to see what's going on over here but when I was I was just in kind of that I w would you say that transition I was in the middle of that transition so I was lucky enough a coach um, from my Irish team brought me over to America it was my first time he brought me to a camp um, and it was actually Steph Curry's uh, college Davidson College that's where he brought me and I only went to the camp just as a regular uh, camper like it was it wasn't invitational it wasn't anything like that I went I just wanted to be exposed to different coaches and stuff and then after about three or four days he the the head coach of the college was like oh we're going to recruit you we're, we think you're a great fit and all this and I was only 
16 at the time. So that was my first kind of connection. Um, and then that coach kind of, even though I didn't end up going there, I ended up leading me to uh, totally different coaches and different levels and stuff. Um, so yeah, I was lucky at the time. There wasn't much interest from America in Irish players. So I kind of had to go there and kind of make a name for myself. Um, and I was lucky enough that I did have a coach that did bring me. So, hmm. Who was the coach? Paul Keller, yeah. Um, he coached me. He was my, my school coach as well. Um, when I went in at age 12 and I had him for an, one Irish team at the time he brought me that summer so I was very lucky yeah very very lucky it's um, so it's like that with a, you hear that with a lot of footballers mm -hmm. as well in terms of sorry to keep bringing it back to football mm -hmm. but it's just kind of something that makes kind of a direct link there yeah um, there's that you know with these like coaches and stuff mm. like that they, they don't I suppose realise how much they're actually helping people out mm. at the time yeah I know like would you say he was your biggest influence I'd say so yeah um, he kind of like was kind of like a I wouldn't say father figure but like kind of like an older kind of brother kind of guider for me especially in the basketball kind of scene um, and he's done that for a lot of other players not just me um, but yeah definitely he gave me probably the chance and the platform to go be me and show my skills in America because that's what I came to him and I was like look I want to play in America I think I'm good enough and this was before I had the breakout tournament and he he believed in me before I even had that great tournament so um yeah definitely he's probably one of the, if not the biggest influence in my basketball career yeah so just breakout tournament and, and represent mm -hmm. Ireland and stuff like that that must yeah. have been huge for you yeah it's, especially at a young age like it's, it doesn't matter what sport you play putting on a green jersey is I know it sounds very very cliche um, but it's 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 a it's a great feeling no matter if it's the first time or the last time you do it um, it's, a, it's a special feeling um, and as I said at age 13 it was like Jesus like I'm still a child like and I'm went over and I didn't know what was going on and it was kind of like even though I was disappointed coming home I was still very proud of myself and my family were so proud of me and I'm I'm not one to kind of pat myself on the back I'm more pat myself on the back when I see my family and my friends proud of me that's that that's what kind of gets me going so um, even at 13 you had that mentality yeah yeah I think so um I, I confidence in myself all the time but it was it was all I was seeing the, the people that got me there and seeing them proud of me and mm. kind of making them proud. in your life really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's really what matters, yeah. Yeah, that's just, um, it's amazing to, to hear, like obviously you're going over 13 mm -hmm. and you're representing your country, mm -hmm. like it's only only a certain amount of people get to do that mm -hmm. in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, very little amount, like, and geez, there was, that's the thing about kind of like the elite level, like it's like there's a lot, I was thankful because like there was, probably like 50 or 60 or even 100 kids that wanted to be in my position and sometimes when it's when you you kind of take those things for granted then when you're after a couple of years like my third and fourth year I probably took it took it for granted then like but it's like then when I went to America I didn't never played for Ireland again it was like after two or three years I was like oh I'd love to go back to that now love to go back and put on the green jersey like so um but no yeah overall that kind of 13 to 18 years playing for Ireland was unbelievable to be honest hmm. what was the experience of being in America at that age what was that like yeah I kind of uh, how was this up like because uh, I, I don't know I've never even asked you this like what, yeah what were you getting up to uh, <laughs> basketball so a lot of throwing a few mad bits a lot if you like no yeah a lot of basketball um I went to uh boarding school basically when I say prep school it's it's a boarding okay. school so like it's what you think like it's the it's the slacks it's the shorts um and it's like uh it's wake up at seven in the morning you work out playing basketball and you're what eight eight till eight till four doing classes or whatever uh school on a saturday ridiculous carry on absolutely ridiculous um but yeah unbelievable like i hated it the first month I hated it like kind of i was kind of transitioning at that age of like sixth year you know going out with the lads like looking forward to college and then it's like i went across to to america going to a boarding school in a class next to a 14 year old and it's i'm like what's going on here like what's the story um but after a month then i kind of like was like all right this is what i need to do if i want to get to where i want to get to um 
And then I absolutely loved it, loved it, loved the routine, loved waking up early mornings, loved loved just being a part of a team and away away from, I guess, I love Irish basketball, but it kind of gave me a different sense of the game and how to play basketball and things like that. And I, I still have friends I talk to every day from, from that year. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a culture shock. That's what I what I'd say. Anyway, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I think that helps mold you. Like when mm-hmm. you when you go away from your family, yeah. you know, it's a test of your character. Can you handle it? Can you, mm-hmm. you know, adapt to mm-hmm. to new beginnings? And obviously, mm-hmm. you did, and, and that helped you. You know, in the longer mm-hmm. run, I think it's helped you mature as well. You know, you're only a young flip. Massively, you're like kind of just I always kind of talk about it, like just throwing yourself in the deep end. And that was the first time I kind of threw myself in the deep end. Like it was like, all right, I'm getting on a flight, a one way flight here on my own, 18 years old, not knowing one person on the other side of the, of the other, of the flight, like, um, but since then that's been a motto of mine, like even decisions I make today, it's all about, will I, won't I, why not, like throw yourself mm-hmm. in the deep just end. Just go with your heart really or trust your gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, I'd be, I'd be the exact same in terms of decisions in life mm-hmm. and, just go with what feels right exactly, and, you yeah. know, worry about it after. Yeah. And the, the worst case, you can always come back home. And the worst feeling is that regret, like, what What if, that's the worst feeling in the world, what if, what yeah. if, I, what if you never if, tried it? What if what you if. never tried, yeah. Yeah, and that's, and, and sadly, a lot of people live like that and mm. it comes down to so many different things. Yeah. Like, what about that business I didn't start? What mm-hmm. about, you know, as you said, that flight I didn't get on? Or, yeah. If you don't shoot, what about that, you know, what, do you, what would you call it, that score I didn't get? Yeah, exactly. If you don't shoot, you, you don't won't shoot. score. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, um, I think that's that's the way you have to live life. Mm-hmm. Is is you know, it, if you don't take risks, yeah, you're not living at all. Mm-hmm. I think exactly. No, I totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. Well, talk to me then, kind of, because you're 18, you're living mm-hmm. away. Yeah, you're you know, you're living over in America, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. you know a lot of people's dream is to, yeah. is to go over and live over there. What part were you in? Sorry, I started off in Connecticut. That's where I was first. So it was about 45 minutes an hour train from New York City. I got in a couple of times, really on the weekends, by the time of the week, when you kind of get to Saturday, you school in the morning. So it's like, what, you have 12 o'clock till 9 o'clock to do what you want then that day. But it's like, why would I go to the city? So I actually spent a lot of time just in the campus. Like the campus is huge. Like, and outside of basketball, there's a lot, lot of stuff to do. Like, and I just love to be honest with you, like just being with the boys in the dorms and stuff. Like that's where that's where your memories are. Like that's it's where my crack. that's where my main memories are. The crack with the boys, like, um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's dif- it was different. Like it was, it's kind of transition to life. It was kind of transition to their kind of personality as well, um, and it's like different type of crack. But like um, in terms of like the American, as you said, like people want to li- live in America. Like I saw four walls of a basketball court, dorm room, kind of like going for dinner. Like yeah, they were, it doesn't and sound like the American dream. No, like but <laughs> that's that's what I knew what I was getting myself into. Like it was to become a better basketball player, get better, become a better student, know what their kind yeah, of education it's like system. Yeah, like an Irish player going to England to learn an academy. Yeah, it's not. It's you're not going to see the benefits till later on. Like you know. So. Yeah. Now, what does it take? As I say, mm-hmm. it's like literally like mm-hmm. you know Irish players going over to to academies yeah, in different yeah. places because they're not going to get the. It's not all sunshine, like yeah. Yeah, but the, the, you know, and that's why a lot of them come mm-hmm. back as well yeah. because of that. But and they can't handle the yeah. being away from stuff. And again, I keep harping back to to football. So sorry if you're watching <laughs> or listening to that. But uh, I just think um, there's there's a lot of similarities and crossovers in mm-hmm. that regard. But I think it's like that with, with most mm-hmm. sports, you know. But mm-hmm. um. I suppose from from eighteen to kind of now, talk to me about yeah. you know life and and and, and, yeah. and uh, when did you get back to Ireland? I got back um, at the age of twenty one. I think it was like the January before COVID. Mm. Okay, so, so fill in the gaps then between. I went ended up going to college, playing college basketball for a year and a half. Um, but I actually when I went to America that summer, I started noticing a bit of an injury in my knee, um, kind of wear and tear kind of thing. End of my. F- first year I got a a scan and went to a surgeon he was like you need to get surgery immediately like immediately but I was already had my flight booked so I came home and I was like I'll get it when I go home uh, I came home then and you everyone knows the Irish health system and we won't get into that but I was waiting weeks for a scan waiting weeks for an appointment 
then finally got one and then he was like oh you need to get it and then I was like well I'm going back to America next week so I was like he was like look you'll be grand for one year played the one year and absolutely shredded my knee up like just made bits of it like every time every time I'd go to play basketball like I was just kind of like I don't want to do this like and that's it was kind of the first time in my career I was like I don't want to go out and play basketball because one you're not able to perform at the level you want to and that's as a fella playing at elite level and a fella who takes pride in his game not being able to to perform at the kind of level you know you can is hard it's very hard and um kind of not you know, I wouldn't say fell out fell out of love with the game but definitely kind of took a step back from it um that was my f- second year in America ended up getting surgery in the knee um and just never really rehabbed from it never never kind of came back from it and then I kind of got halfway through the season and I wasn't performing I was in my own head getting down a lot like and then like kind of get performance anxiety then and like telling myself that my knee was worse than it was mm. and still yeah. in my head the pain was still psychological there. psychological pain that was yeah. still there and then I was just like I need to get out of here because I just wasn't I wasn't enjoying it um ended up coming home then the January 2020 so I was 21 21 no I was 20 then um and then COVID hit in March so yeah that was that kind of timeline yeah, which wasn't fun for for anybody. No, 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 no. Yeah, and a lot of people came home from you know traveling and stuff like that because mm-hmm. no one knew what was going on with COVID. The, Nobody, you know, all. it was you know up until a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. it was the end of the world. Like you know, yeah. that's yeah. that's what everyone knew about it, yeah. and it was affecting everybody. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, just uh, f- from kind of COVID mm-hmm. onwards. Yeah. Um, were, you, were you playing basketball? Nah, there was no no basketball at all. Sure, yeah. Let's go. Uh, we kind of came back, all right. I think COVID was the March and we trained in the summer then. And then October, then the second wave hit. And then it was like indoor sports, not a hope. Um, kind of no, no basketball then. Kind of came around. And then, um, yeah, I was just kind of working away in college. Ended up going back to college when I, when I left America. Um, this is the college you're still in now? Yeah, yeah, I'm out in MTU um, doing sports and exercise management. I love it. Absolutely. I complain about it the most now. My, anyone in my my uh, classmates now are watching this, they'll be skitting. Like, uh, as much as I complain about it, I actually really like it because in America I did uh, just ordinary business like, and I appreciate now the kind of sports side of it, uh, sports business. So, um, yeah, still out in college. Um, was doing that, working away. Um, was actually kind of in a in a good kind of came around into the new year was in a really really good frame of mind like I was probably the best I was in a while like and I was back playing basketball in small bits playing kind of working out gearing up for the new season looking forward to going back playing with Neptune and things like that was really fit like the knee was great um, and then obviously yeah um, something unfortunate happened um, had an accident and then ended up in a wheelchair yeah paralysed mm. Yeah, how how did the the accident happen? Like, mm. what was so for people that don't know? Yeah, I just had a fall. Um, just had a fall. Um, fell from um an attic window. Um, and then fell flat in the uh, fell flat in the ground. Um, uh, yeah, broke three bones in my spine. Um, but I was lucky that the paralysation was at the lowest point of the break, the lowest one of the breaks. Um. But um, yeah, lucky. I, I think about it every single day, and it haunts me. Um, and no matter how low I get, like I always, always say, it could have been worse, and it should have been worse. And I realistically, I shouldn't even be here, to be honest with you. It's so tough to hear you saying that. Mm. But, um, you know, you know, you say you say it could be so much worse. Mm-hmm. You know, there is always someone mm-hmm. worse, worse off, off than you. That you, you don't yeah. realize that. To, I suppose you kind of go through these things, mm. but like, literally your your life changes over mm. overnight. Then, mm. like, how how do you process that? Um, I'd say I'd say the first two weeks, I'd say I was in the hospital bed, and like I remember, I remember when I first when I first sorry, got in. Not just you, but your your family's whole life changes as mm. well. Yeah, it's 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 a trickle effect, very much so a trickle effect. Um and 
you kind of just I don't know you just go into react mode like it's just you just take it people say day by day it was hour by hour for me like um, and our family um, they got a call for from the hospital and they didn't know what they were walking into I didn't know what was going on um, but I remember just from the moment I got into the a into the A&E room I just I remember like everything going on and like a broken back not knowing what's going on in fits of pain and uh, I remember just laughing at one point because I was like ah oh, this is a dream like this is I'm gonna wake this is a nightmare I'm gonna wake yeah, up yeah, I'm gonna wake up yeah I'm gonna wake up from this like and it's a nightmare you don't wake up from like um and that went on for about two weeks like every time I went to sleep I was like I'm gonna wake up and this is gonna be gone um but you know it's you wake up and this is reality like I think it, maybe maybe this might be a weird com- comparison but mm. it, that, that may be down to shock yep because mm. my my dad passed away like yeah. it's just it's suddenly it's just gone mm-hmm. and I spent probably a week a week of that mm. afterwards just gone now I'm going to wake up and, and yeah, he's going to come grand, back yeah. and you know saying prayers that he's, yeah. he's going to come back and yeah. it, it, it's kind of like a disillusion where your, your brain can't process yeah that that this has happened yeah. and you're 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 kind of traumatized from it a little bit i'm not saying yeah. you are now i'm just saying yeah, at the yeah. time like no it's definitely i remember when i was in hospital that someone saying it to me it's it's a sense of grieving like yeah i know i didn't die but i lost yeah, my legs i lost the function of my legs so it's like it's saying like all right goodbye to them basically like and it's kind of the same with your dad like it's a sense of grieving and i like some people just go into shock and they're like this isn't this isn't real yeah, and I definitely you had, don't want to believe it. I had about two weeks, three weeks of that where I was just like, "This isn't real." Like every time I go, to, I'll go to sleep here and I'll be grand. Like I'll wake up, but um, nah, just and, sorry, Adam. But how how was that then when you when you woke up and mm-hmm. and then you couldn't? Uh, I'm lucky. I'm very very lucky that I have a support system. Like very very lucky. Um, so like my circle is is so strong and like. I always kind of say it like I went down a, a deep hole but I constantly had someone's hand dragging me up like even when days I didn't want to go like get out of this hole like it was like not nah, not a chance not a chance um but it was definitely it was a dark time and it's it's definitely something you don't realize how dark it is until you look back at it um when you're in it you're just like this is it like this is life like you're 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 you're, yeah. you're swimming in the deep end with mm. no armbands and just no, trying to yeah. figure it out i didn't spend one day in hospital my whole life and it's like all i knew for a couple of months or whatever all 24 7 was was hospital like hospital bed nurses like just going at me and stuff and i was just like i'm a private kind of fella like i don't really like being touched and it's like it just became the new norm like yeah, uh, but how is how is that the process for you, for yourself? Because like every like mm-hmm. literally everything changes for you there. You just said like the nurses, mm-hmm. you know, them touching you. Then you're in hospital, mm-hmm. you're losing your legs. Like th- mm-hmm. this is a lot to take in for yeah. a, a young lad. And you're what twenty one at that point. Yeah, I was twenty. No, I was twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah. yeah, much for much. <laughs> um, big difference. But uh, so so in 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 that regard, for you. You know, how how is that the process? Or, uh, how, I know you said you'd you people don't like you. It just fight or flight. You just fight, like you just fight, and you you just you don't know what's half going on. Like I remember, like my we I talked about it with my mom and dad or anyone who came into me, like they'd come in like, "How are you?" And I'd be like, "Oh yeah, like like what's this, what was this going to Lakers game or something?" This was like a day after I woke up from the surgery. I woke up, my mom came in and was like. Like I already, how do you feel? And I like first thing I just turned around to her. I goes, "Did the Lakers win?" Like, and she was just like, "Like, that's when she knew that like I didn't fully know the extent of it." And I think I've only, I'm still coming to terms of like what's actually happened. Like, and I'm in a wheelchair. More than likely, that just odds are stacked against me for the rest of my life. And still to this day, like I'll, it's probably a good thing that like. I, I forget that I'm in a wheelchair and that's probably the best thing in the world and I, I don't know if I ever want to come to terms with it because like for me it's like if I come to terms with it I give up do you know it's that kind of way so it's like not come to terms with it and people might find this weird or anything but like sometimes like it's it's a good thing not come to terms with things Um, but 
I'm getting there a lot more. I'm a lot more tuned in now than than what I was. And but there's definitely times like that, like when I look back to the first couple of weeks, and it was like, what's going on? Like I can't, I couldn't even move. Like I didn't even know I could what, how much I'd be able to do. Like I knew I still had my had my arms and stuff, but I'm like, this is the sorest thing ever to move. Like I couldn't even get out of bed. Like. And at that point, it's like, what? What's the rest of my life? What's ahead of me? Like, what's ahead of me? And I had, I'm lucky. I had one patient who's a family friend when I when I did get the Dunleary in NRH. Um, he came into me like one of like the, my very first day, and he was like, "It's gonna be all right." Like, and he had a big smile on his face, and like I was just like, I was like, "How?" Like, and then he left, and I was like, "Do you know what? Like, it's gonna be grand. Like, it's gonna be all right." It's, as bad as this is, like, I'm, I had someone who is striving in life. He has his own business and stuff, and I was like, "It's, it's going to be grand. Like, it's going to be grand." Yeah. yeah, it's just, you know, just it's so much the process for such a young lad mm. who, obviously, you had mm. aspirations to go on and do something and, yeah. and, and and make a name, and you obviously had your dreams to go to America and try mm. and fulfil them. Mm. And I think I said it to you. Before, when when I was working down here, you know, comes a point where y your goals can change. Mm -hmm. You might like want to like I I probably wanted to be a Premier League footballer. It's never gonna happen, realistically. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But in that regards, do you know, if you'd have said to me at twenty one, you'd be running a football page or a YouTube channel, interviewing yeah. footballers and stuff like that. At twenty seven. Yeah, I started seeing that, and then at twenty eight, twenty nine, those things happen. We mm -hmm. kind of see those things, but that's that's what I'm saying. It's never too late for your for your dreams to kind of change almost. Yeah. And I, I I definitely think that's a good thing. Yeah. And I think um, I think you're starting to kind of realize that now mm. as you're as you're getting that sleep. Okay. Kind of kind of like you know when when one door closes, you have to find another door. Like you have to find another one to open. Like what like what what one am I going to go through now? And I think. If my accident never happened, like where would I be now? Like would I be doing great things? Like or would I? I feel as if being this and being in a wheelchair, and even being this young, being in a wheelchair, I think I can affect and like inspire so many different people, like and give them hope. Like I want to be the fella who came into me in a couple of years, like and be like everything's gonna be all right. Like this is this is my life now. This is what I have. This is this is what I've done. And like, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be anyway like that fella, and if I have the courage, or to be in a position to go into a young fella, who's like whatever, seventeen, eighteen, he has an accident, he ends up in a wheelchair. If I'm able to go into his hospital room and go, it's gonna be grand. Then that's probably my job done. Then do you know, and I don't think if this never happened, I wouldn't have been able to affect people's lives like that. So, yeah, definitely a positive that I I try and take from it. Like, mm. I, I I I'm a believer that everything happens for yeah. a reason. Mm -hmm. And you know, may, you know, maybe well, the basketball route mm -hmm. might not, but still, yeah, you can still be involved in mm -hmm. basketball. I know you're coaching at the moment, yeah. and so and we'll probably talk about that mm. later on. But like, you should take a lot of, yeah. I suppose, pride and and, and be proud of yeah. the fact that so many people look up to you, and so many yeah. people look at you as such a strong person, mm -hmm. mentality wise, and you're loved by so many people. Yeah. I know that might be embarrassing to hear, but yeah. You are loved by like, by so many amount, people. The amount of times I go out, like, and it's not even out, like, I go out into the street or whatever, or someone comments on one of my posts or something, they're like, you're an inspiration. It's like, I remember someone said it to me the other day, and I was like, I was like, why? Like, I'm just being me. Like, it's like, I'd be doing my, myself and my family and my friends an injustice if I didn't try and do these things. Like, if I just, you know, that's why, like, I could, I, I would have been the fella would have easily just my accident happened I'm, I'm lying in bed all day and i i've had those days like i still have those days yeah yeah but you're um, human we, but all, it's, we all have days like that it's like even, I'd be, I, even i do i'd be doing my my family myself an injustice if i didn't get up and try and i just that's my kind of motivation sometimes and i always i always say like i i can have one bad day but i will never ever let myself have a second one even on the second day even if i am having even if i do feel terrible I'm still going to get up and do things because yeah. I know at the end of that day then it's like yeah. it's over with now tomorrow's a new day so you gotta look at it you know yeah. just because today's a bad day doesn't mean tomorrow won't be a good day mm -hmm. and I, I definitely live like that I can mm -hmm. have a bad day and I'll say 
you know, well, look, I'm just going to park today. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get any better. Yeah. But tomorrow morning, I'm going to yeah. get up, I'm going to eat well, go yeah. to the gym or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, whatever you think of walks or, mm-hmm. or, you know, out for a stroll somewhere or whatever. Yeah. You know, just to just to clear your mind. Yeah. Um, or go on a drive or whatever it is. Even like that, like I before my accident, like even when I had a bad day, like um, it was always go for a walk. Now it's like go for a drive, put on music and just, just go. Like, And I'm lucky that I'm able to go drive even when my legs don't work. Like So, um, yeah, that's my thing, like just to get out, even if it's coaching or whatever, like meet up with one of the lads. It's, it's finding your outlet when you're that down. And I'll tell you, like, staying in bed is the worst thing you can do. It's grand. I, I've done it. I still do it. Like, I have those days where I just don't want to, I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to talk to anyone. I want to feel sorry for myself. And I, that's totally fine as well. Yeah. I'm well able to feel sorry for myself, but I'll never, ever, ever try and let it go past one day. Ever. That's my, yeah. that's my motto, yeah. But then you, you obviously look at people like your little nephew, mm-hmm. Leo, and mm-hmm. and your, your other nephew, yeah, yeah. Uh, niece and nephew, who you know your mm. uncle Adam you yeah. one that they you yeah. know they look up to and stuff like that yeah. so then when you when you do those things mm. you know they probably go like, oh you know yeah. why is Adam in bed why you want to play with us it makes I mean? it all worked it they're like. always good to have around because they get you up and oh, at, at it and you're, you're doing stuff yeah. enough of my own yeah. you know and these nephews that they keep you going mm. Do you know, it's, it's just, nice just to have all those stuff there as well as mm-hmm. your family members. You know what I mean? Life's so serious, like it's so it's so serious, and every every like even sports, like we take away too seriously, and then it's kind of like you come home and then you see them, the smile on their face, and they're like, like they're on yeah. about, like they're but just in awe of your presence. I like, went to a a game, and I don't know if you want me to talk about this, but I went to a, mm-hmm. a wheelchair basketball game with you mm-hmm. uh, to watch you the other week. And your whole family were there, mm-hmm. you know, of watching you on the side. Yeah. You probably weren't aware of it, <laughs> but I definitely was. And even the kids and everything like that, and they yeah. were all just sitting there watching you, mm-hmm. which is amazing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? To have your whole family yeah. there, including your granny, shout out Nanny Lena. I know. Um, <laughs> to have her there as well as obviously your parents, your sister, your brother, mm-hmm. your nieces and your nephews, mm-hmm. or so your niece and your nephews. And, um, to have them there it must be you know you spoke earlier but you know having those people there you know yeah. who you want to make proud mm-hmm. and they're there at those things I think it was kind of like for all of us it was kind of like a milestone thing and I think they've been through it just as much as me like I went through the physical side but we all went through the mental side of it and um, I think it was probably about, about 15 months removed later on from my accident like and I think like just seeing me back on a basketball court playing basketball whether it's sitting down like doesn't matter it's still basketball and um, doing what I love like I think it was just a bit of a milestone kind of thing and it was important for me to have all my family there um, and there was there was lots more there was friends and stuff it was my own fault like I got killed by loads of people for not telling them that I had a game like but anyone I only happened but I only knew by fluke yes and anyone anyone that knows me uh, knows that I don't really you know expose myself like that I, I wanted my family to be there and that, after that, then I was like, anyone who wanted to come, but um, just having them there and seeing the people that went through with me was, afterwards I kind of got home and I was like, that's that's a milestone there now, like that's that's the check off the bucket list. Hmm. It was worth a few Guinness we had then. <laughs> yeah, well. I know, Jesus. We definitely celebrated it. <laughs> um, yeah, so like when, when I look at it, like how has that transition been from, you know, you go from playing basketball mm-hmm. now you're doing the, the wheelchair basketball mm-hmm. but you're also you know I think I kind of touched on it earlier and you, you think about it maybe what you learnt in America mm-hmm. and stuff like that and now you're coaching you're, yeah. you're bringing that experience yeah. back to give to other people yeah. which in some people's eyes could be invaluable mm-hmm. no like just on the wheelchair thing I absolutely hated it at the start I went out I went out last uh, March, I think. Yeah. And I dragged myself like I knew. They kind of approached me earlier. And they were like, come out to us, come out to us. And I was like, no, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to. Because it was a bit of a, I think it was still an open wound kind of thing. Like, not kind of coming to terms that I won't be able to play running basketball, like the standing up basketball anymore. Um, and I went out. and You probably, in ignorance, mm, you probably looked down yeah. on it without... 100%, 100%. And it was... It was definitely a kind of like, 
I don't want to say like I'm a better better than this kind of thing, but it, it was that kind of that kind of feeling. You, you, and you, not, felt, you felt you were above it at the time. Yeah, and then all I said that was about fifty percent. The other fifty percent was probably because I was absolutely abysmal, shocking, like, and like when you go from being like the top of your game, one of the best players on the court, to a fella who's like being picked on for not being able to move the chair and like having air balls and this, not being able to control it, like. Um, that's that was kind of two different things, um, and then I was asked to play with the under twenty three Irish team this summer, um, and I was like, I don't know how will I do it, and they were like, please come. I was like, look, I'm shocked, and they were like, look, it'll change. I'm telling you now, like it'll be the best thing ever for you, and it absolutely was. Again, throw myself into the deep end, absolutely, and that was probably the biggest deep end I ever jumped into in my life. Going over there, playing against like international competition, but like. Mm where talk I wasn't great sorry Adam just talk talk to me about that that first game and mm-hmm. your feelings after that game because mm-hmm. obviously you, you must have been feeling very shit um, uh, if you couldn't do things the way you wanted no yeah Jesus I did not I didn't well, know what I, was and why I want to ask you that is because I want to how you how you switch that mm-hmm. to then turn that into I'm gonna get again it kind of goes back to when I the earlier story when I was 13 like I was absolutely terrible but this time I knew that it was going to lead to something better because the last time it did and I was shocking absolutely didn't know what was going on um, and kind of came back then in the summer and it was getting a bit stronger and stuff shout out to Adrian um, getting a bit of, getting a bit stronger and stuff and kind of just a couple of training I think I went a couple of weeks in a row like didn't miss anything and then like kind of the first round came, the first game then with the Rebel Wheelers where all my family were there afterwards and I had like 15 points or whatever and um I was just kind of like, look, I'm not, I'm not that bad. Like, I'm, not, I'm, that, I'm my biggest critic. Like, um, but yeah, I guess that that was the kind of switch that flipped. But this time, I knew that it was going to lead to something better. Um, but no, I'm still not great. I'm still shocking and on defense, um, and things like that. But I guess shooting the basketball and having the basketball skills was always going to be in my favor. Yeah, but what I like about you, you're vocal on the on the mm-hmm. court and you're, mm-hmm. you're positive as well mm-hmm. in terms of your teammates and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. it's not just shouting for the sake of shouting. It's yeah. where to be, what to do, but you're trying you're doing it quickly. Yeah, sometimes that can be taken. You know, with some people th- think you're just shouting. Yeah, yeah. I, I do on a football pitch. Yeah, yeah. And people are like, why you should, it's, It can be your tone of voice. No, you know, yeah. without even meaning it. Yeah. But you're just trying to say something. Sh- you know, short and sharp. To, yeah, but you've only got a couple of seconds to do it. And you're also like probably panting as well. Like, oh, yeah, like. exactly. So you know, I, I I think I can definitely see by watching that that time that you know you know your teammates love you as well. Um, but the way you you, you flip that mentality now, mm. I mean. You're doing it how long? A year? Maybe? No, uh, April. That's it'll when be I started. A year in April. It'll be a year playing ba- wheelchair basketball in April. Yeah, um, so that's February. Not, you'd say February, man. So that's yeah. not lot, that's not that long. Yeah. So you're already you're 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 gonna keep improving. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what Hopefully. I mean? You're gonna get stronger. And I'm still young as well. Like I remember, like there was fellas I was playing against last week, like in their fifties and sixties yeah. playing, and that, that's unbelievable. And they can like, be nasty sport. I see the way they yeah, catch the, the yeah. There's a lot of fingers stuck. It looks yeah, and but that's been happening. I've had a couple of purple fingers, like but I'm soft out though. Like do you know, what I mean? and all my all my friends will say that my ex teammates in court is like I'm soft though um, but no yeah it's, it's definitely it's definitely aggressive like and it's 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 very competitive very yeah, competitive I saw that that day very. I was like I wouldn't fancy that no. and then people clashing with the, <laughs> the shins I was like Jesus Christ no, leave it off it's grand I don't feel it anyway it's all done yeah no, it just looks really painful though but um, yeah but I, I, I look at your your mentality for everything just seems to mm. be fuck it you know, let's let's just do it and let's yeah. let's get on with it. Yeah, and that I think that's what gets you out of bed every day. Mm-hmm. To you know, to be better than you were yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And as I said, like it's it's having people around you. Like, and I'm, I'm so lucky. Like, there's there's a lot of great people out there, with great mentalities who don't have don't have a support system like I do. So like, it was actually easier for me, um, and I was lucky in that way. But it's just as I said, like kind of throwing yourself in the deep end not letting yourself have a, a second bad day like you know just kind of cut it at one um are the kind of kind of things that kind of keep me going like um obviously i have a bit of a competitive streak in me like where it's like someone tells me no i'm gonna prove them that they were wrong like um and that's in life now to be honest with you um but i don't know i just feel as if since my my accident as well like i've just become a lot more like 
nothing is kind of granted in life like you know your your life will change tomorrow it possibly will like it'll change in an hour like or a split second so it's just kind of like if I want to do something I don't really care what people think do you know what I mean I, I, I think that's something I've kind of learned that like if you're happy doing something do it if that's what you want to do do it like yeah, but the only people that are ever going to give you a hard time for doing something you like is people that hate themselves so yeah. I think anyone who, who who maybe watch that or trolls who, who give abuse online mm. they've got the problem within themselves and mm. that's why they're yeah. they're going you never met a happy person going no. around saying stuff online no. about people no. it goes back no. to that Ricky Gervais line where he says you know I think he was on the True Geordie podcast and mm. he spoke about going down the road and he goes you're not going to and some fella covered in shit jumps out of a bin and, and shouts wanker you're not really going to pay any attention to yeah. it so why would you do it online why you do it online like, yeah. so it's, it, it is a funny analogy when you think of it that way but mm -hmm. it is true like if some arsehole is going to go down the road and he's going to say something to you the likelihood is you'll just cross the road yeah. and you won't bother with them so why would you bother giving them a and I was a very very sensitive person before my accident like very like couldn't be sly like oh, I could be sly but like oh, I was like was he being serious kind of thing there now and it's like well, when something like this happens overthinking more than yeah, sense, yeah but like when something like this happens you're like and I learned that when I went to my first wheelchair basketball training it's like you leave your feelings at the door like life's, life's too short to take it seriously all the time all the time and obviously there's people who I go on nights out and there's people who, who step over the line when it comes to things like that but like you should hear like my friends and especially with the wheelchair lads like there's there's no limits like and I I, I, I think that like if I kind of was sensitive I think it would be uncomfortable for people around me things like that so like I'm I'm easy going like I'm in a wheelchair yeah I can take like slag it away like do you know what I mean I'll give it back to you don't worry but like that's definitely something that I kind of I, I think it's I think it's definitely a, a good thing a positive thing that I've been able to do since my accident yeah yeah and do, so so then the coaching like did you foresee that as something you were going to do and you were you were you coaching younger teams maybe I suppose before the accident or uh, here and there like yeah. here and there like more kind of focused on just playing away myself yeah because um, very young anyway. but like like the wheelchair basketball like I think it's it's an easy transition like you know you're not able to play the game again so what's the next best thing wheelchair basketball what's after that coaching so it's like it was an easy transition for me last year I, I helped out with Paul Keller who I've mentioned before yeah um, up, Paul. yeah I know he's getting a lot of them but uh, I kind of sat on the bench with him and he's one of the best coaches in Ireland and I was I kind of I kind of picked up a lot from him kind of stood back kind of rolled just kind of well, alright what's, what's he doing what's he what does he do here and then at the end in the summer then Neptune the committee came to me and asked me that I want to take the under 20s team um, so again throw myself in the deep end I came back and I was like will I do it will I not do it and I was like I'd be doing myself injustice and I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't take it because why not like it's if I get it all wrong or if I'm terrible at it I'll know then I'm only 23 but no, I think I'm doing an alright job. I think um, they're a great bunch of lads. Um, very, very like helpful with me, and very like you know they they trust me. They know they know what I've done. They know what I've won things with the club. Like so, they they want to learn. Um, but in terms of play, being a good player and being a good coach, two totally different things. You don't have to be a good player. Be a good player to be a good coach, mm -hmm. and vice versa. Like, Jose Mourinho. Yeah, and it's it's it. They're two totally different things because. When I played, it was a lot of you, you're giving tactics going out there, but like it's you're thinking about yourself and like you're kind of playing unconsciously for forty minutes as a coach. You're consciously every single possession, and like I'd come out of it absolutely exhausted, like exhausted. Um, but no, I'm enjoying it. It was it was tough at the start, and it, it still is. Like it's there's going to be tough times, but I like it. Like I I really do like it. Yeah. And you see this then as as kind of what you want to do then is obviously mm -hmm. the the wheelchair basketball and yeah. and coaching then for the future for you know you're doing college mm -hmm. at the moment and yeah. and stuff like that but that's you know as as a pastime yeah. that's probably what you like whether it's wheelchair basketball or coaching they both open different doors like and yeah. that was me well, I did when my playing career with playing the running game door closed it was like all right I need to find my two my doors now my new doors. And they, that was them, um, and probably they were kind of given to me because of being already a basketball player. Like, 
Um, but you still have to go through them. Like you still have to to jump into them. And there was months where I didn't do either of them um, after my accident. That's grand. Like I'm still getting used to things. But it was like it kind of came to a point, and it was like I need to be busy. Like the old the old Adam was always busy. So what if you're in a wheelchair? Stop giving yourself an excuse to to lie in bed or to not get involved in things. Hmm. Um, and that was my kind of thing. All right, I'm gonna go throw myself in the deep end here now with the the wheelchair basketball and with the coaching and like. They've been probably the best two decisions I've made yet. Yeah, because yeah, you, you do seem to enjoy it mm-hmm. from, from watching. You do mm-hmm. seem to mm-hmm. to really enjoy it. But um, I suppose you know, kind of finishing off, is is this you know this change of life? Do, do, you know, how would you describe it to people who may be going through something now? You know. That probably don't see mm-hmm. the, the the brighter days ahead. Darren, did you? I know we can't speak about the mm-hmm. the house too much, but there is a story about Roy Keane I want to talk about after that as well. Yeah, I think it just you know everyone has their problems, and I don't like when I say that like someone's always worse off. That doesn't mean your your problem is less important than anyone else's. Like just because I'm in a wheelchair, like people will say to me like, "Oh, I have my own problems," but sure, like I always like sure look at you, like then I feel bad about myself. I was like. Your part, your problems are just important as mine. Mine are just physical. I'm in a wheelchair, grand. But like as I said, like it's, it's, it's that finding that kind of why, like, and, and sometimes that's the hardest thing in the world, and people can't find their way. But for me, it was like my family, like the people who the people who helped me and got me out of that hole. That was like that's my motivation now to go. I'm going to make them proud. I'm going to do this. I'm going to play wheelchair basketball. I'm going to go back to college. I'm going to go coach, and I'm going to I'm going to try and give back to them eventually someday. I want to when they're stuck or when they're in a hole. I want to be the person to to help them out. But just for people like it's just there's always someone worse off. Like and I I, I realized that when I went to Dunleary like and I went I seen other people's disabilities and things like that and I was like I'm so lucky like. So lucky I have my waist up, I have my head, which is the most important thing in the world. And also can be the most dangerous thing in the world, your head, but it's just taking care of it. Like it's finding your why. It's finding you know, what makes me happy, how can I get out of this hole? It could be the most stupid thing in the world, absolute stupid thing in the world. But and I'm again, I'm the worst probably in the world for it, but it's talking. And someone said to me once, it was like saying things out loud is the best thing you can do because then it's out of your head. Because you're, if you're saying it back in your head, you have these thoughts in your head. Finding someone, there's always someone, whether you know them or not, whether it's wherever, like Pieta House or something like that. It's it's ringing them even and just saying it out loud. And it's like a breath of fresh air. It's getting it out of your body. And it might be only for a couple of hours. It might be for a day. It might help you forever. But saying things out loud and talking to people is is probably the most influential thing, mm-hmm. to be honest. Very well put. Mm. Um, yeah, I I think um, just to kind of end it on a on a on a very nice note. Mm. Roy Keane, the Roy Keane, calls up to your house mm. um, after teasing it a while back, and again that was during the show, and, and that'll be out in the new year, so people can check that out. We we've been asked not to talk about it, mm-hmm. um, the house, but we can talk about Roy. Yeah. Um, what is that like when Roy Keane? <laughs> You tell me. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like so I've just, like, just, just, it's just what describe you the interaction. Kind of thing. No, 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 not even like <laughs> how it came about, yeah. and you know, then just just the whole interaction, then, yeah, and how he was. So his, I think it's his uncle. They live across the road, directly across the road, and they were involved in the build. I won't talk about it or anything, but he was involved in the build anyway. So I was down in my local. We we we. Sometimes when I when I do go for a couple of drinks down there, um, I met him down there one time and he came up to me and he was he was telling me and he he was like oh, I'm Roy Keane's uncle and I was like oh yeah and he was like he's gonna call into you in the next couple of weeks I was like he will yeah by Roy Keane now like me like he was like no no he will about two weeks later knocking the door Roy Keane is there and he was like oh can I come in I was like uh, yeah if you want to like um, but honestly like sound as fell in the world absolute. What was the, fir- what was the, the first earth. interaction? He was just like, look, you're an inspiration. I heard your story. Um, just keep doing what you're doing. Like, And he was just kind of, we were just talking about then, like, you know, 
about the north side and he was telling me about like where he grew up and I was like, oh, I know that place. And he was like, asked me where did I go to school, Le Mans. He was like, oh, I know this person, that person from Le Mans. And it's like, for me, that, even like the first interaction, it was like, this fella is like one of the most famous people and footballers in the world. And like, he, I'm talking to him about like my teachers and my principal from the, from the Mans and like streets in Cork. And it's like, for me, it's like, no matter how, how big he got, like this place is like his Mecca, like this is his this is his home, like this is what he cares about and how proud he is to be from here. Um that's what something I kinda try and take as well. Um just being proud from here. Um but he's I've yet to meet someone from Cork who's not proud of being from Cork. I know. We give out about it a lot though. But um but nah, he's his soundest fella in the world and we were we were just down here just talking away about football like just I was just picking his brain like asking him different different kind of things about like who we played with like and uh, just about Sky Sports I remember asking him a question about uh, just about I think when it was Ollie was getting was getting sacked like and I was like oh do you think do you think Neville was sitting on the fence like and he was like 100% 100% like I might get him in trouble now for that but uh, he was he was like 100% like and he was like sometimes you have to kind of put your friendships and allegiances aside he was like I'm getting paid by Sky Sports to give my opinion. I'm going to give my opinion, you know. And that's why, like, a lot of people give out about him, like about the Ronaldo thing. Like, but that's his opinion. Like, like he's not backing up. I Ronaldo. thought he was sitting on the fence about that. He's not back. Ne- I, I, Neville I, isn't. I know. I, I think that like he genuinely does still think that Ronaldo is one of the best in the world. I don't. I, I agree with Neville, but that's his opinion. Like, and yeah. it's, it's genuine. But Ali, he was like, get rid of Ali. Like he was like, his time is done. You know. Um, and I think Neville then kind of learned about he then his total opposite. Now Neville is like get Ronaldo out, like which is I agree. Like, um, but now we were talking about things like that, like in uh, different kind of games he played. And things. how did he react to you supporting Liverpool? Oh yeah, I was like, he asked me that I have Liverpool jersey, and he was like, yeah, I need to clean my car. So I was like, uh, yeah, it's a good time, and it to be slagging me to be honest. Yeah, he, you know, I actually met him in the Costa down the road from here. Um, when I was working down here yeah. and he couldn't have been any nicer. Mm. I met him before when I was a kid and he wasn't so nice. But uh, look, I suppose it's when you... Probably came. last night, did it? No, it was the time we beat Holland in the Chase McIntyre goal um, 2001. I was bald. So memory. But yeah. Um, look, it is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, I think... Um, just the fact that he called your house, I yeah, think that should, that, that, that should show you mm-hmm. how much of an inspiration you are to a lot of people. And there was there was no there was no like, I know I posted a photo like and I have up my social medias with him like, but there was no, I wanted tanks or anything like that or nobody knew about it like it was li- literally a knock on the door like yeah, but they're the best. It was it was it was genuine, absolute genuine, and um, I know like it kind of it blew up a small bit like on social media and stuff, but that's not what he wants like if he's doing something he's doing it because he wants to like yeah and he's but he upset. doesn't mind that that came up no not at all he told me he was like oh I take he, like it was kind of awkward like and he was kind of like oh, if you want a picture do you want to take a picture now I was like yeah and he was like grand no matter and he ended up taking pictures with like a lot of people who were in my house at that time my family and stuff but um, like you'd see him giving out about things like that but I think it has to be in the right moment. If, you, mm-hmm. if you're not having a conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. you just go over and start pushing your phone. The or like throwing a phone in his face. Like, that's not what he... Yeah. He's a human being. Like, And if he doesn't like that, he doesn't like that. It does, shouldn't matter what platform he's on or whatever. Like, if that's his personality, like, don't do it. Like, just ask him. And if he says no, then it's it's not personal. He doesn't know you. Like, do you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, just, just to, to, to finish off on, you're doing a bit of walking mm-hmm. in, yeah. know, up in, in DCU. Yeah. You're coming along mm-hmm. with Adrian, shout out again. Yeah. In the gym. Yeah. So how's how's that going? We're just gonna that'll be my last question. Uh my lucky my brother had a contact in DCU and they have a programme up there. Um, Exoskeleton. Um I actually think it was on the, on RT last week. But yeah, very, very, very lucky to get into a programme like that. Um I'm able to go up I've no college on a Friday, so I'm actually able to go up every Friday. And basically, it's just a machine. It kind of hooks you up, and I'm not making the steps. It's kind of my hip movement, and then the legs move. But it's walking, and you know, it kind of gives you that peace of mind and bit of hope to kind of to kind of keep pushing forward. Like, and there's there's procedures outside of Ireland that you know you'll be able to. I might be able to get things on. I haven't looked too far into it, but 
it's kind of a stepping stone towards if I wanted to do that or whatever. So I'm absolutely loving it. And in the gym, like I kind of spent a year, I was kind of a bit lazy. Like, and I was like, I'll go to a gym, I'll go to the gym. And I didn't know being in a wheelchair, you're kind of like, and it's new, like I didn't want to go into a big public gym. Like I didn't know what I'd be able to do. I didn't know what I'd be able to do. I didn't know my body yet. Like, so I needed to go someone I trust. Um, I went out to Adrian, um, out more and call, and there's just been absolutely unbelievable. Like, just I'm learning, he's learning, and like that's the relationship it is. Like, he pushes me. Like, I don't have a day off. Like, I don't don't take take any reps off. But um, he pushes me, and that's he knows that's what I want. I told him from day one. I was like, I was like, I'll stop this if you're not if I think you're going too soft. I mean, he was like, don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been unbelievable. And even like with wheel with the wheel like with the wheelchair it's helped like with the wheelchair basketball the strength and stuff even day to day like just like it's so important physically and mentally just like I got my workout in there now that's grand I'm, I'm delighted with myself then um, and that's who I used to be that was the old Adam like I needed to work out every day I'm working out like five days a week now um, I I'm a lot busier now than I was before um, so like five days is, is definitely enough for me mm, I think that, that you know you spoke earlier about Having maybe the one bad day or mm -hmm. whatever, if you yeah. get six out of seven good days, yeah. that's not bad going. Yeah, and even when I do have those bad days, I still try and get out there because I'll tell you, like, people kind of get this thing about exercise and gyms and stuff. They're kind of daunting, but something as small as like going for a walk is exercise. Yeah. Like people don't people think that like being drenched in sweat and things like that is is exercise. Nah, not a chance. Exercise is moving, like doing something, like lifting weights, going for a walk go for a little jog like something small like that will will help those bad days um and get you through hmm. yeah i think um i think we, we literally have gone through everything <laughs> and for a man who's so young you know there was a lot covered there you know and i do think maybe 10 years time we, we could revisit it and it could be a whole new story, story. which could be which could be really good to look back on hopefully yeah hopefully yeah. that's Adam, the goal top man thanks sure. very much appreciate uh, it for anyone uh, watching, uh, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to give the video a like if you're listening on podcast. Um, I suppose give it a five star rating uh, and uh, follow our podcast. And I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for watching and listening to Neil and Not Standing episode six. Adam Drummond, top man. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Neil and Not Standing. Please leave your thoughts in the comments and leave all feedback, good or bad, and give us a nice review where possible. Thank you very much, and we'll speak to you soon.